Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. You can live freed up and not fed up. Well, today's episode is a new one. I'm excited to be back after vacation time, and I couldn't wait to talk to you a little bit more about our topic from earlier this year about trauma. I want to share with you today, life after trauma, when God opens your eyes. So pay close attention to this one. This one is straight from God's heart to your ears. We'll be back in a moment. Experiencing trauma is not easy for anyone. And depending on the nature of the trauma and the depth of its effects on you, the scars can run deep and the wounds may be sensitive for a long time. Trauma can be defined as the physiological and psychological distress that happens because of an experience that exceeds our ability to cope with it. And earlier this year, Freed Up hosted some of my favorite clinicians and therapists in the field. And we spent some time unpacking what trauma is, how it shows up in our daily lives, mentally, emotionally, physically, behaviorally. And we also share some important spiritual and practical mental health strategies for healing trauma. You need a multifaceted approach that includes therapy, patience, and prayer so you can learn to live freed up and not fed up even if you've had your own traumatic experiences. And if you missed those episodes, please make sure you listen to them. They are full of really good insight and direction. They are episodes 47 through 50. Make sure you check them out. And hey, by the way, share them with a family member or a friend. Well, today and in a few future episodes intermittently, I want to share about some varying aspects of trauma by peering into the life and stories of a few folks who have offered us their personal experience. Now, most of them will be women and men from the Bible whose life narratives have been preserved specifically for our learning and understanding. And well, in case you're not a Bible reader just yet, I hope that just hearing these stories of people who face so many similar situations as we do now, I hope that'll encourage you to dive more into this book of life I learn so much about myself when I do it. And most of all, I learn more about who God is and who he desires me to become in my healing process. So trying to move on after going through something traumatic, distressing, and life-altering can feel very daunting and scary. This surely was the case for Hagar, a woman who had a fair share of trauma in her life, and yet God met her in her place of fear, of worry grief, anxiety, and big time discouragement. And guess what, friends? God will do the same for you and for me. Will it look like what we think it will or how it looks for someone else? Hmm, Probably not. But God has promised that he will heal the brokenhearted and rescue those who are crushed in their spirits. He promises to be that friend that sticks closer than anyone else even your closest family member or friend. And I love the way Isaiah says it in chapter 43. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. Have you ever felt swept away by the water and rivers of guilt and shame, self-blaming, regret, unspeakable pain and agony? Or have you ever gone through something so difficult that it felt like your joy had forever gone up in flames and your hope was burned up right in front of your eyes and all you could do was see ashes of what could have been? Well, I want to offer you some hope. Listen, I want to give myself some hope today. So we're in this thing together, remember? Hagar was her name and her story and experience of trauma is finger motioning us to get closer and to hear from her. The details of her life are found in the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 to 19, in case you decide that you want to read about her for yourself. Hagar was a slave girl. She was Egyptian and she lived in servitude to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was God's pick to be the legacy giving father of the entire nation of Israel. These would be God's chosen people and God would love them and care for them. Sarah was Abraham's wife, the mother of this great nation to be. And in ancient Eastern culture, Slavery was a common practice, and women in particular were often acquired from wars, especially virgin women. They were used to satisfy debts, or they could simply just be purchased by someone. But let me be clear, slavery is not and never was in God's design for any of his creation in any culture. So many practices have existed and still exist in our world today that God does not condone, But they may happen because we have each been given free will to choose the way we'll exist, even at times when that freedom of choice hurts and negatively affects the well-being of others. That is why sin is such a horrible, despicable thing, because it causes the heart of man to turn away from God. And when that happens, we each operate in our own selfish desires and ways, and all of this combined has created and led to the world in which we live today. But that is the very reason why God sent his son to heal this world. Well, Abraham and Sarah were promised an heir to their legacy, the one who would carry on their family name and make good on this promise God made to Abraham, a great nation, right? But they were both old. I mean, really old, way out of childbearing years. And Sarah, knowing that she was promised to be the mother of the nation, had not conceived. And the timing just wasn't working out for her to do so. So Sarah came up with her own strategic plan. It looked good on paper, but it wasn't God's plan. The plan was for Hagar, Sarah's slave girl, to go hook up with Sarah's husband, Abraham, and have a child for Sarah. You know, like a surrogate, only, well, there were no insemination clinics. So Hagar had to literally have relations with Abraham. Now, again, as a slave, this practice was not uncommon. Remember, slave women had no rights. Whether they wanted to or not, they had to do as their masters told them. 
Can you feel a pretty sticky situation brewing here? So let's pause here in the story for just a moment and think about this. Hagar was in a situation that she didn't choose, away from her people and her nation. So she was likely lonely, homesick, and probably missing her family and others who she had strong ties to, including her customs and way of life. And she had to complete duties for someone else that she neither desired or signed up to do. Then she is asked to do the ultimate task that would make most women under these circumstances totally lose it. Sarah had told Hagar to sleep with her old husband to give her a child so that she could raise on her own. Yeah, not just a sticky situation, but a little bit of a scary one as well. But back to the story. So it happened. The strategic plan got executed. Abraham slept with Hagar. She got pregnant. And for reasons we aren't specifically told about, Hagar begins to treat Sarah like she was better than her because she had conceived a child. Now, that wasn't going to work out, okay? You already know. Can you imagine what that must have been like? You have two women with the power dynamic at play. One who had the power because they were the older woman, head of the home, who owned this servant, and who also had the affection of her husband. The other who had no rights and no control over what she could do with her life, but she did have a seed from the other woman's husband. You know, you kind of wonder if Hagar was now feeling like in all that she was experiencing that maybe she had a bit of an upper hand. But the disrespect from Hagar caused Sarah to retaliate. And Sarah treated Hagar badly, so much so that Hagar felt that she had no other options but to run away. But where was she going? The only thing in front of her as a runaway option was the desert. Hagar's experience had to be so painful, so traumatizing and unbearable to cause her to want to leave the only other home she knew while pregnant and take her chances of surviving in the hot, dry, barren desert. Wow. Just wow. Have you ever faced a situation that seems so traumatic for you that you just wanted to run as far away as you possibly could get? Well, Hagar was in that headspace, but she was not about that slave life anymore. And so she took off and headed toward the desert. Before long, God spoke to Hagar in a voice that she knew she couldn't ignore or deny. He told her to go back to Sarah and Abraham. You know, sometimes God's voice and his ways can be so surprising. Why go back to that? Well, because God had other plans for her and all involved. God told her that she would have a son and name him Ishmael. And what really stood out to her was that God told her he had seen her, meaning he took notice of her. He knew her intimately and he knew of her heart's pain and misery. Hmm. You know, Hagar had to feel special in this moment, y'all. This great God who she had surely heard of in her time with her masters, he spoke directly to her and let her know he cared about her. 
just have to pause here and say to you, this great God also sees you. So she went back to serve Abraham and Sarah. She had her son and she raised him there. But during that time, God made good on his promise to the very aged Sarah and Abraham, and they became pregnant with Isaac, the divinely gifted seed, who would be the heir in this great nation. And all of this happened in the timing that God said it would. But as time progressed, the sibling rivalry between these two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, upset Sarah so much that she demanded that Abraham kick Hagar and Ishmael out of the house. So again, by force and not by choice this time, Hagar is turned out of the house into the desert. Though this time she wasn't pregnant, she actually had a child to care for. This seems pretty cruel and heartless, right? Especially for a problem that Sarah created. But Hagar was outmatched here. Abraham did not want to see them go because he loved Ishmael. That was his son too. Abraham was distressed. So God speaks to him and tells him, you need to do what Sarah asked you to do. But God also told Abraham that he was going to keep his promise to make a great nation through Isaac, but that he would also make a nation of descendants through Ishmael. Both of these sons would be blessed. And this word from God let Abraham know that Hagar and her son would be in God's care and be okay, even as they left his home. So Abraham packed up some food and some water and he sent them on their way. But can you just imagine what Hagar must have been feeling after all that she had experienced? I mean, like the anxiety would be off the charts, right? Wondering what would become of them. And then grief and deep sadness to yet again have to leave the only place she had known as home for so long. I'm sure she had built relationships with the other women and children around her, and she had to leave them too. I would bet that she felt much fear having to face a journey with uncertainty ahead and on her own without male protection and covering in a time and a culture where this was extremely important for a woman and a child. The stress and the trauma that she was experiencing was exacerbated by the fact that yet again, she had no ability to control the situation that was unfolding in front of her. How would they survive? Where would they find other resources? Who could they turn to for help? But they were forced to leave. They wandered around the desert with no direction or destination. And soon the water that they had been given by Abraham had run out. And as you can imagine, so had their hope. And when this happened, Hagar took her son, put him under a shade bush, and then she walked away from him because she couldn't bear the trauma of having to watch him slowly die. No mother could withstand that. And in this desert, no more water, no more options, blistered from the heat of the experience and the environment, Hagar moves away from her son. And then she lost it. She couldn't control the sobs and the tears, desperation, despair, and the thoughts of death had taken over. 
But that's not the end of her story. And can I just say to you, wherever you are today and working through your trauma, it's not the end of your story either. But God, he attuned himself to the cries of Ishmael, who was terrified after being separated from his mother under that bush. And God called out to Hagar and told her, don't be afraid. She knew that voice, the voice of God. She had heard that voice before the last time that she was in the desert. Do you remember God's voice? Do you know God's voice? He's spoken to you before and told you what to do to get through the previous situations and challenges you've been in. And he's going to help you get through again. So God told Hagar to go and get her son and pick him up from under the bush. He told her the same thing he told Abraham. Her son would be the father of a great nation. Now, that might not sound like much to us today, but basically God was communicating to Hagar, this is not the end for you and your son, Ishmael. And this much needed word of encouragement came at the height of her near-death experience. You know, God's timing is not our preferred timing. I wondered, couldn't God have told her all of this sooner? But his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. They are so much higher and so much more eternal in process. And it's his way that reminds us that he alone is God and we can depend on him above anything or anyone else. And he alone gets the glory for the good and the outcomes of his rescue of us. But there's one more thing that God does in Hagar's situation that I think is so powerful and relevant for each of us as we navigate through our hurt to healing spaces. Are you ready for this? God opened her eyes. Yep, there it is, right there. The hope for each of us, the intervention. It's supernatural, but yet it's also practical at the same time. God open her eyes. Sometimes trauma can blind us to the new places God wants to show us and take us. At times, it's the anxiety we feel that unsettles our mind and our thinking. The grief that is so overwhelming that we can't see anything beyond the misery and pain we feel. When God opened her eyes, he gave her elevated spiritual vision. Yeah, that's right. What she couldn't see before, now she could see. What she couldn't think about before, now she could think it. And what she couldn't do before, now she could do it. And I simply want to just say that these abilities were not just for Hagar. They are for us too. As we allow God to open our eyes in the midst of our difficult situations. And there are three things that we see from her experience when God opened her eyes. And I want to share those very quickly. When God opened her eyes first, she saw differently. So now she sees this well of water. And while it was for her practical and basic needs in that moment, it was also for her spiritual need for a lifetime. You see, water in the Bible symbolizes new life, refreshment, and filling up. Another example of this is found in the New Testament of the Bible in John chapter 4, where Jesus talks to this woman at the well and he tells her, I am the living water. 
And he who drinks of me will not continue to spiritually thirst. Where Hagar was dry and destitute and near death, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, now she could see the help and the hope that God was offering to her and her son through this well of flowing water. So she filled up the container and they both drank from it. And life and hope began to flow through both of them. You see, God's help is never just for us. It's for our legacies too, for generations to come, for others around us. But second, she thought differently. Who knows all the thoughts that were occupying her headspace at that time, like from being forced from her native country as a slave to ending up in this vast desert to die. Lots of thoughts in between. And a most painful thought that she had was to leave her son under a shade bush, not wanting to see him die. Her thinking was, I can't. I can't watch it. I can't do this anymore. I can't handle it anymore. And hey, no judgment on her thoughts because they were real and they made sense for the situation she was in. But God wanted to change her thinking. And when he opened her eyes, not only did she see differently, but her thinking began to change too. She went from the I can'ts to the I can and I wills. She believed God's word to her. And this led her to change her thinking. And then third, Hagar lived and acted differently. It may not have been the lifestyle that she had dreamed of or what her parents and family and friends envisioned her doing, but she chose to live in and make the best of the place that she was in, even in that desert experience. Her son grew up and became a skilled archer and a warrior. And in time, she found him a wife and life went on and God filled in the gaps of their losses and met their needs. Despite all the trauma, she thrived and lived differently, all because God opened her eyes. And I'm sure desert life had many more challenges to come, but God was with them every step of the way, just like he promised. Well, maybe you are having some Hagar moments in your life right now. Just maybe you're reeling and in need of healing from some trauma in your life, from childhood experiences relationship breakup wounds, grief from death of loved ones, debilitating health diagnoses, infertility, loneliness and abandonment by those who were supposed to care for you but didn't, abuse, addiction, and so much more. Whatever it is, it's okay to cry about it and cry out in it. This is part of the process to getting freed up. And more than anything, I hope you know that God sees you just like he saw Hagar and Ishmael. He notices you. Did you know that you are forever engraved on the palms of God's hands and you are not forgotten? But what I believe is equally as encouraging to the fact that God sees you is the fact that God lets you see him too. When God opens our eyes, we see him more clearly, his provision, his promises, and his plan, even when that plan takes time to completely unfold. When we see him, 
We can see peace in our situation that we didn't before. We can see comfort that seemed to be nowhere in sight. We see faith that was inside of us all along, but needed to be uncovered under all the junk that was stacked on top of it. And so today, as I close, I want to encourage you as I encourage myself. Let God open your eyes. Survive through it. Thrive anyhow. Live anyway. Succeed anywhere you are. You are being freed up. And there is absolutely life after trauma. Today's episode, I hope it encouraged you. It encouraged me. I am still trying to absorb and really think about the fact that God can open our eyes in a way that lets us see differently, think differently, and act and live differently. There is life, abundant life, even after trauma. Remember, you don't walk this path alone. I'm walking right alongside you along with all the rest of the Freed Up family. Always know, God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.